Well, good morning. It's great to see everyone this morning. Um, I know we've got some guests who are here, so thanks so much for coming to check us out. And if I didn't get a chance to meet you yet on the way in, I would love to have the opportunity to do that after the service this morning. I'll run out to the lobby, and so would love the opportunity to just introduce myself to you. And if you have questions about the church or anything like that, would love to answer those um, questions for you. And for those who are joining us online, thanks so much for being there as well. Let me pray for us, and then we'll, we'll get into the message this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. As we've sung about this morning, we recognize, um, God, that you are at work in the world around us sometimes when we don't even see it. Um, But God, I pray that you would help us to continue to put our hope in you today, that you would help us to trust in you. Over the next few minutes, Lord, as we look at your word, I pray that you would guide us in all that we do. I pray that we wouldn't be distracted by anything that's going on um, around us or anything else that's happening later today. Um, But God, that through the work of your Holy Spirit, we would be able to hear from you. Encourage us and challenge us and teach us today. And it's in the name of our Savior Jesus that we pray. Amen. This is the second week of our series that we have called Courageous Conversations, second message in this series. So if you were here earlier this year, uh, you might remember me saying that in between each series this year, we're going to do this one-off message um, that is going to be put together in a series called Courageous Conversations. Um, And and so that's what we're doing in this series. We're going to talk a little bit about some hard things. So our identity statement as a church, who we are as a church, you saw it in that video, but we are a courageous bridge-building, mission-driven church where it's not about us. And part of what it means to be courageous is that we're not afraid to talk about hard things or tackle difficult subjects. And so that's what we're doing in this Courageous Conversation series. If you were with us earlier this year, um, when we did the first one, you might remember I answered the question, what if America is not in the Bible? which maybe in some sense could be viewed as sort of controversial. Uh, Today, I don't know that we're talking about something that's controversial, but we're talking about something that is just real life. And so I'm going to talk about being worn out in a fallen world. Last week in the message, I mentioned some statistics on mental health in America. And I mentioned that there was a 93% increase in 2020 of people uh, who were getting screened for anxiety and depression over 2019. So almost twice as many people in 2020 got screened for uh, anxiety and depression and issues related to that than the year before. This study that uh, was cited in this article that I read, it goes back to 2014, so it's been done every year since 2014, and they found that more people had um, thoughts or ideations of suicide uh, in 2020 than ever in the history of that study. And it was young people who struggled, young people ages 11 through 17, who struggled with severe symptoms of anxiety and depression. And so you kind of look at this study and you realize we have had some significant struggles with mental health issues over the last year. And I wonder how many of you might be able to relate to this sentiment. Why am I worn out, stressed out, and freaked out? As soon as one problem is solved, another one appears. Life never gets easier. The problems are always the same. At the end of the day, I'm just another day older, and I have to wake up tomorrow and do it all over again. That's actually something that I wrote 
several weeks ago just reflecting on just all of the stuff that we've experienced over the last year. Because I will admit to you that this last year has been the hardest year that I've ever experienced in ministry. And it wasn't just COVID. Like, I think if that were the only thing, it would have been okay. Um, But at least for me, what started around the middle of March of last year and then continued through the end of the year, it seemed like every two weeks, something else happened. Another issue that had to be dealt with, another crisis that was taking place, another issue that I had to speak into or a problem to solve or something. And, and just when it seemed like there was a light at the end of the tunnel and things were starting to get better, it was like, here it goes again, and we start the process over. And I really think that the tipping point for me personally was the winter storm. And part of the reason for that is just my, my personality by nature is when there's a problem, let's find a solution and let's fix it. Let's work the problem, find the solution. It's not that big of a deal. We can handle it. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of that winter storm, no electricity, no heat, And then I start to worry about all of the things that can happen, pipes that are freezing, what are we going to do for water, food, how long is this going to last, all of this. And I just laid in bed, exhausted. There wasn't anything I could do. And since that time, I've recognized in talking to a lot of other pastors that I am not alone in feeling that way. Several of my friends have felt the exact same thing over this last year. And I know that many of you have dealt with similar things and you're kind of in the same place. And and so we're kind of together asking these questions like, well, why do I feel the way that I do? And oftentimes, you know, when you're in the midst of it, you think you're the only one or Sometimes we get this way too. It's like, well, why do I feel this way? I shouldn't feel this way. I'm not supposed to feel this way. And I think that's one of the things that I hate about the religion of Christianity. And I say that because like, I think this is a part of our Christian culture, but it's not really biblical. Like, We're, we're told to feel a certain way when things happen to us. Like, We should be happy that bad things happen. You see, I've been around those people, too, that go around with what seems to me it has to be a fake smile on their face. And the reason that I say that it has to be a fake smile, because I think to myself, if I were dealing with the things that you're dealing with, there's no way I would be responding the way that you are responding. You know, we think that we have to be happy when bad things happen because that's what we're told. Count it all joy when you face different kinds of trials. All things work together for good. Now those things are true because those are like Bible verses, but the problem is we rip them out of their context. We fail to understand what they're really saying, and we just have these nice little pat answers that we are are sort of forced into thinking this is the way that we need to be. And it, it disregards the reality that there's often a process that leads us to that place where we recognize that challenging things that we go through in life are actually good. And it ignores the fact that the book of Psalms is filled with what we refer to as Psalms of lament or complaints 
of people who are saying, I don't understand why the world is the way that it is, or I don't understand why my life is the way that it is. And so it's really easy to get worn out, stressed out, and freaked out. And sometimes we wonder why. I love what author and psychologist Larry Crabb said in his book, Inside Out. He says this, what we so desperately want is to go home. But the problem is we're just living in motels. See, I love that imagery. Because home is to be a a place of security and rest for us. It's a place where we can go and kind of shut the problems of the world outside behind us. But he says the problem is we're just living in a motel. And you know what motels are like. They're kind of like home, but it's not the same. You can't really get comfortable there. You know the furniture doesn't belong to you. See, the reality is we know something is wrong deep down inside of us. So the question is, what do we do about it? So I want to talk a little bit about being worn out in a fallen world. Why that's the case and then what we do about it. And so if you have a Bible with you, I'd invite you to turn with me to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 8. We're going to look this morning at Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 25. If you don't have a Bible in front of you, it will be on the screen as I read it in just a second. Or um, if you're a YouVersion Bible app user, you can navigate your way to our live event. So down, if you open up the YouVersion Bible app down at the bottom in the right-hand corner, there is more. And then I think it's about the third thing down is events. And you'll click that and you'll see our event listed there. You can follow along. A lot of great resources in there. But let me read Romans 8. Starting in verse 18, I'll read down through verse 25. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for, the, for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what, is, for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see... We wait for it with patience. I think this section describes the reality of life. That we go through trials and struggles. But i got to tell you something about this passage. It really frustrates me. And part of the reason that it frustrates me is because it's not found in the bad part of the book. It's found in the good part. Let me explain what I mean by that. So the book of Romans, what we know as the book of Romans, it's actually a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church that is located in the capital of the world at the time in Rome. And so he writes this letter, and it's his most theological letter. And so he writes all about all that God has done for us, what God has accomplished for us in Christ. 
And the letter can be broken down and outlined out in a really simple way. Problem, solution, application. So he starts with the problem. That's kind of the bad part. And he talks about the solution to that problem and then says at the end of the book, hey, here's what we do as a result of that. That's the application. So at the very beginning of the book, he starts with the bad part. He talks about the problem. And the problem that Paul lays out in the beginning of the book is that all of us have been affected by sin. And so as he begins writing about this, he starts to talk about the bad people who do all the bad things. And so we would all say, well, yeah, clearly the bad people who do the bad things all the time, they clearly have a problem with sin. Paul says, but it's not just a problem that bad, the, for the bad people who do the bad things. It's actually a problem for the good people who do all the good things, too. See, there are some people who think they're doing everything right, and the reality is their right's not really right enough, and they have still been affected by sin, too. So it's a problem that deals with the bad people who do the bad things, the good people who do the good things. And then Paul writes, and some of the audience is Jewish, and so he says, listen, for those of you who are Jewish, just understand this, it's affected you, too. Just because you're part of the chosen people of God, that doesn't mean you have a leg up on anybody else. You, too, have been affected by sin. And kind of the highlight of that section is Romans 3.23, where we read the words, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So the reality is, however we would view ourselves in that good-bad spectrum, All of us have been affected by sin. None of us have gotten it right. We've all missed the mark. We have all done something wrong. And then we read in Romans 6.23, kind of the result of our sin, and that's the wages of sin, is death. And certainly that deals with physical death, but it's more significant than just that. It's death in terms of eternal separation from God. It's in... God, with, in connection with God, that's where life is found. So ultimately what we understand is that as a result of our sinfulness, what we have earned is the absence of life. But things get a little bit better. So the, Paul lays out the problem, but then he says, well, wait a minute, but there is a solution, and the solution is found in Jesus. And so he talks for a couple of chapters about all that Jesus has accomplished for us, what his death and his resurrection accomplished for us, and what that means for us. And kind of the highlight of that is at the end of Romans 6.23, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So what Jesus accomplished for us is that through faith in him, we can have eternal life, a relationship with God that lasts forever. And so if you're just reading through the entire letter to the church at Rome, you would think, okay, we've gotten past the bad part. Now we're in the good part. Tell me how it gets better from here. And then you get into chapter 7. And Paul writes this. Why is it that I find myself doing all of the things that I don't want to do? And the things that I do want to do, why can I never do those things? Oh, what a wretched man I am. Or in other words, what a terrible sinner I am. And so chapter 7 is incredibly depressing. You're like, wait a minute, I thought it was getting good. And then you turn the page and you get to Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. And maybe the best part of the book is Romans 8.1. For there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because the law of the Spirit of Christ has set us free from the law of sin and death. And so there is so much hope for those of us who have placed our faith and trust in Jesus in the midst of the struggle to do the things that we want to do and not do the things that we don't want to do. Hey, there's one thing that we don't have to worry about, and that is condemnation or eternal separation from God. That is no longer on 
on the table for those of us who are found in Christ Jesus because of the work of Jesus for us. And so, again, if you're reading through the letter as a whole, you're like, okay, I've finally gotten to the good part. It has to continue to get better from here. Now tell me what to do about it. And then all of a sudden you get to where we started. And we're brought back to reality. These present struggles, the present suffering that we go through is nothing in comparison to the glory that will be revealed. But what we understand is that we go through present sufferings. Why are we worn out, stressed out, freaked out? Because we live life in a fallen world. Paul says it here in the passage that creation itself is groaning, awaiting for the day of its redemption. See, sin didn't just affect us and our relationship with God. It affected everything. And so the world does not function the way that it was meant to. And when we experience life in a world that is functioning in a way that it was not meant to, it wears us out. I love this statement from Larry Crabb, again, in that same book, Inside Out. He says this, We were built to enjoy a garden, a garden without weeds, relationships without friction, fellowship without distance, but something is wrong both within our world and within ourselves. See, something's wrong, and we know it. And what we've experienced over the last year is simply magnified the issues that have been in existence in our world since the presence of sin. And so we've experienced isolation. We've seen the friction and the broken relationships and all the other things that go with it. And so as we look back on all that we've experienced over the last year, no wonder we're worn out. But there is hope. And our hope is found in Jesus and what he's accomplished for us. And so Paul continues writing. He talks about how creation groans, but he says in verse 25, But we hope, but if we hope in what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. So there is something better that's coming. We talked about that last week. Something better is coming. And so we put our hope in Jesus, recognizing that the solution for all the problems that we experience is found in him. And so we have to wait patiently, what Paul says in verse 25, for what we do not see. Wait patiently for it. Which sounds a little strange. I was thinking about what this, the significance of this, and I thought about Christmas, because it's very different than that. Like It's not like just be patient until we get to open our presents, because there's so many good things to distract us from that. That's not what Paul's talking about here. Really what he's saying is we need to endure. That we need to be willing to endure whatever happens in this life because what is better is coming. And that thing that is better is so much better than anything that we'll experience now. When that thing that is better actually gets here, we'll think to ourselves, man, this was nothing. I'm so thankful I lived through that so that I can experience this. It's all about endurance. It's really similar to what the author of Hebrews said in Hebrews chapter 12, where he said, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, 
the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of the Father. Let us consider him who endured such things so that we would not grow weary and lose heart. The author of Hebrews is saying, hey, let's think about Jesus and all that he went through because it would be really easy in the midst of the struggle to grow weary and lose heart and feel like giving up. See, again, as we think about all that we've experienced over the last year, it's no wonder that many of us are worn out. So the question is, what do we do about it? Let's go back to Romans 8 and continue reading where we left off. And I want to read verses 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. What do we do when we get worn out? pray. And I say that, and I don't want it to sound like a really pat kind of easy answer, because I know some of you are thinking, listen, I've been told my entire life to pray my problems away, and it didn't work. I'm not telling you to pray your problems away. But in the midst of the struggle of living life in a fallen world, what we have to do is fight to maintain our connection with God in everything because in him is life. And so we have to do everything that we can to maintain that connection. Now, there are going to be times where we don't know what to pray. Did you notice it said that? There are going to be times when we don't even have the words to pray. I think the most honest prayers that we could ever pray is, Lord, I don't know what to say. I don't know where to start. Because it's in those moments that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. And what doesn't make sense to us can begin to make sense to the Father. And then we continue and look at verse 28. And we know... That for those who love God, and all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. This is the verse, right? All the bad things turn out good. You know, that's not what this verse says. But what this verse is saying is that in the midst of everything, God is at work for our good. That in the midst of the struggles that we go through, God is still at work. That's why it's so important as we live life in a fallen world where it's easy to get worn out and give up. We continue to pray and we pray and trust the fact that God is at work even though we may not understand what's happening, even though we may not see what he's actually doing. We trust that God is at work and as we maintain that connection, then we're not going to get worn out and give up hope. There is one other thing I want to share with you, though. It's really practical and sounds really simple, but I think it's very profound. And that is when you are stressed out and worried and freaked out because we're living life in a fallen world, talk to somebody. Talk to somebody. If you do have the passage open in front of you, I would invite you to go back and look at this. Look at the pronouns in the entire section of Romans 8 that we read this morning. Because do you know how often I 
or singular you is found in there? Zero. But we or us is found 13 times, if, my, if I counted correctly. Understand the directions of, of what Paul is saying here. It's not for me to do. It's not for you to do. This is for us to do. It's about living life in a fallen world together. And listen, I am probably the worst at this because I think to myself, when I go through difficulties, I can handle it. I'll get over it. I will be okay. But the reality is, if we look at this passage, we are never meant to go through this stuff in isolation. We are meant to go through it together with other people. So talk to somebody. You know, for a lot of the stuff that we go through, it may just be talking to a trusted friend where we can bounce some things off of or just share what's going on. At other times, it may be that we need to talk to a counselor, a biblical counselor like we have at the church. It may be that you need to talk to a licensed professional counselor. You know, I also recognize, too, and I, I don't... Thankfully, I don't think I've ever experienced in the struggles that I've had clinical depression, but I just know the reality is that because of all of the stress that we face in the world that we live in, it's real easy to get your body chemistry out of whack so that you need medical help to kind of get things squared away so that you can uh, have healing uh, emotionally and, and, and psychologically too. And so I want you to know there's nothing wrong with that. There's no shame in that. That's okay you got to talk to somebody because we're meant to do this together, not in isolation from one another. Why are we worn out, stressed out, and freaked out? It's because we live life in a fallen world. The world doesn't work the way that it was meant to. And it wears us out. But as we, together, maintain our connection with God... We will be able to endure whatever comes and will persevere knowing that something better is coming. And when the glory of the Lord is revealed and we are completely made new and everything is made new, we will look back and say, man, it was worth it because of how good this is. And that's what is to come. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, in the midst of this fallen world, we recognize it's easy to get worn out and stressed out. And there are so many things that can happen emotionally, but God, this reminds us that this is not what you intended for us and that something better is coming. Father, I pray that for those of us who are struggling, who have been struggling, surround us with people who can encourage us and to help us to continue to endure as we wait patiently for what is to come. And may we always keep our eyes fixed on Jesus so that we would not grow weary and lose heart. Continue to do a work in us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.